We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, but today doesn't feel that way. We are divided in more ways than one, and the media and the powers that be all have their own agenda. The people of this great nation no longer care about the truth, they only care about the side they are on. At Poor360, I am trying to change that. We're bringing you the facts and history so we can all learn something and make our own decisions. Tune in every Tuesday to be a part of that journey. Following, following the following is a journey into comics. 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 Network. 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 Production. Production. And here we go. Ladies and gentlemen, you're listening to Journey into Comics, the podcast dedicated to all things nerd, with your host, the Podfather himself, Nate Phillips. Showtime, a-hole. What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome back to another episode of Journey into Comics, Journey into Comics 227. I am your host, Nate. How is everybody doing? It's Monday. It's Martin Luther King Day. Hope you guys are celebrating in style, being nice to everyone you see, treating everyone equally with respect, and also being unafraid to chase your dreams like we're doing right here on this podcast, because this is what we want to do with our lives, right? Chase the dream and be a podcaster. Anyways, so we've got a whole bunch of shit to talk about, and then there's like personal life shit to kind of talk about a little bit, and behind the scenes journey in the comics network stuff to talk about. I feel like we'll get that shit out of the way first. Usually it's the best place to start, then we can get really down on the comics stuff. So bear with me for a few minutes here as I delve into the most recent stuff. So uh, not a ton to report. We've kind of been chilling, but it we did. I You know what? I fucking spoke too soon. And I was like, I, I taunted the beast. Can I tell you guys, don't fucking taunt the beast. And and what I mean by that is, don't call out Mother Nature, because she will fucking pimp slap you, right? So there's a, a what's happening in, in Hammond, Indiana group. And people were talking about this, the alleged snowpocalypse that's coming. And I was like, okay, come on now. Like, that's, you know, that's not really the case, you know. Uh... And I said something like, yeah, we'll probably get like two or three inches at most. Like, come on, be real, folks. And then I kind of thought about it for a second. I kind of thought, made a little bit of a joke. And I, I'm going to share it here. Hopefully you guys think of it. I will say winter is kind of like the Taliban. And what I mean by that is meteorologists and news anchors, very much the same. They feed you with fear, like the Taliban are coming. Winter is coming. It's all happening. You know, like the Taliban are going to come blow up your hometown. You're going to get 17 inches of snow, like all these kind of things. And they never, you know, usually happen. But sometimes once in a while, unfortunately, they got to be right. And that's the hard part, right? So anyways, uh, it's a snowpocalypse, you guys. Uh, as I record this, it's Sunday, but you guys know it's Monday morning as you're listening to this in your ear holes. I hope you're having a fantastic start to your day, whether it's like 4 a.m. and you're just getting out of bed and getting yourself started and you're maybe give a little stretch. I'm a bend. Whatever you're doing, I hope that you're uh, doing it peacefully. And keep in mind, you got to be safe, man. The roads are probably shitty if you live in anywhere where there has been a lot of snow. Uh, so we, you know, live in right outside of Lake Michigan. So we get this beautiful thing called Lake Effect Snow. So yesterday we got, I don't know, it was probably like five or four inches, four or five inches, somewhere around there. And it was snowing all day. I shoveled a couple, two or three times in the drive, and that's kind of been tedious. I like to be like that 
my thought is if I can help it, I don't want to have to bring out my snow blower. I could rather, I'd rather just take my time and do the shoveling and make it really super nice than use the snow blower and it'd be an okay job, but then probably have to still go back over it with a shovel. If I get out there early and just do a couple takes of it, you know, it, it's not bad. So I did that. And, um, of course it wore me out and I started like, man, my back started fucking like aching and feeling like somebody was like stabbing me with tiny little fucking knives into my middle of my spine. I was like, Oh God, motherfucker. You know? And then like every time I go out, I think about this, but like when I was a kid, one of the teachers at school, I cannot remember her name. I tried to remember this earlier today and it didn't, I couldn't recall it. Uh, but one of the teachers at school, her like husband or grandpa or something was out shoveling snow and had like a heart attack and died, man. It was like, Oh my God, you know, that's, that's fucked up. So I always think about that when I'm shoveling snow, like, ah, that's not, listen, everybody's going to go out someday, but that is not how I want to go. Like, Oh, how did he die? He was shoveling snow and had a heart attack. It was tragic. Jesus. Like that's God stuff of nightmares. I don't want that. No, I don't, don't even go there. So anyways, so like, yeah, I'm a, I'm a little sore today, you know, a little bit, but I woke up this morning and from last night when I thought the drive was hundred percent clear and everything was in the groovy, uh, lake effect snow happened. So the storm that pushed through brought snow from Lake Michigan down and it just rained hellfire upon us. I mean, it was just snowing uncontrollably for hours and we got the same amount of snow yesterday today in about half the time so needless to say i had to work twice as hard and definitely very fucking sore but i survived it's all good in the hood here's the deal you guys the one really cool thing i do want to mention is journey into comics network right so this is my show journey into comics podcast i can kind of give you guys behind the scenes stuff i'm going to do that now because it kind of ties into the stuff that i've been doing recently which is you know Really, I want to say I'm very excited for the return of the Voice of Survival podcast. I, I debuted Season 2, Episode 1 this past Friday with Larry from uh, Crucial Tunes on there, and it was a, a phenomenal conversation. I will say I feel like I maybe left like one or two questions on the table that I wanted to get back to and for some stupid reason blanked, but I digress. Uh, that was awesome, but I have been doing the best I can to stay ahead of the game, so I've actually already done episode two i cannot wait for you guys to hear that one either it's like maybe one of the best interviews i've ever done i'm just not trying to overhype but it was really good like i was like holy shit this conversation is just blowing my mind at every turn so with all that being said i've been interviewing a lot of different people and i get to give you guys a little heads up because my third guest for the voice of survival is getting recorded this weekend so this sunday i'm going to go to the opera in Chicago for the new Philharmonic and their conductor Kirk Muspratt is going to be interviewed by this guy right here and let me tell you what folks he is an interesting dude he's Canadian he's been winning all kinds of awards he like won Chicagoan of the year and some shit like dude has done some shit you know and he's like one like conductor of the year for like the entire country and whatnot uh so and like the Mac won like the most uh improved or I saw they won some major award best 
symphony or some shit. Anyways, they've won a lot of things. I've got my notes in the other room, so I'm not looking at them right now. But I'm really looking forward to doing that. This weekend, we've also got, and you guys will hear me recap this on JIC 228, but we've also got uh, Doom Room Awards Night. We've also got some other podcasts that are probably going to be planned and put together on Saturday. So we've got a lot of different things in the works here. Um, I'm just really looking forward to everything we've been bringing you guys because I feel like right now, not to jinx things, but we seem a little bit on that roll. Also, shout out to AP with Poor360. It's a fucking great show. If you haven't listened, tomorrow, check it out. And from now on, guess what? Drink Breaks are brought to you by Poor360. He's covering all kinds of cool shit. He's doing a little bit of all his shows in one show. It's come 360 degrees full circle back to kind of what the poor rapport is with touches of poor news, with touches of poor entertainment. He He's a very clever man with his uh, with his show style, and I can't wait to see what that show continues to do. And I know they're going to be talking about the border wall tomorrow, so if you guys uh, want to know the history of border security and how it's evolved through time and space maybe, I'm sure AP's going to cover it. He's, he's very much on the button and knows how to tackle a topic in such a way that you kind of get lost in it. So shout out to that. Let's have a quick drink break brought to you by Poor360. God damn, this water is good. So, man, I guess we're just going to jump right the fuck into it, you guys. I mean, like I said, I got a bunch of shit planned in the future for everything in the network and whatnot. Looking forward to all the other things we've got coming out. We've got some other big announcements we still haven't made. There's some Walk Among Us announcements we still haven't made. Uh, Also, we can officially talk about this, but Walk Among Us is going to be playing Subterranean in Chicago, April 26th. It's a Friday. You guys... It's going to be one of the coolest shows I probably do, if I'm being honest. We're getting people from all over the country who are already out in Chicago with the intention of seeing the Misfits. Um, they already also like our band because they like the style of which we do the Misfits songs. So much so that they're going to come out and see us. It's looking to be a packed show, maybe a sellout, who knows. Let's see what happens. But we're, you know... Still four months away, and we've sold quite a few tickets, and we're really looking forward to doing this show for everybody. Uh, We have a really cool thing planned where we're doing Pick Your Poison. Fans can vote on the set list that they want to hear. The most voted songs can make the set. We're going to play a fuck ton of them. It's going to be a crazy night. I'm super looking forward to it. So, another thing talking about Walk Among Us real quick. I do want to mention we were featured on another podcast this uh, the the Metal Experience, you guys can check them out at the Metal Experience. I want to say it's like .net or maybe .com. Easy to look up. I fucked that up. Sorry, Morgan and Luco. They were fantastic. It was a lot of fun. Uh, great conversation. Dove into all kinds of different things where we hyped this sub T show and further dove into the Pick Your Poison set and what that means and everything. Uh, but anyways, let's officially start the show today. I want to kick things off with a fucking bang all right so let's kick it off with a fucking bang you guys like the day after we released the five-year anniversary episode of journey into comics featuring veronica and sarah which was awesome to have them back on the show uh the fucking spider-man far from home trailer dropped and i want to talk about this so bad uh 
but I'm not going to do it how I typically do. Uh, usually, I just let the whole fucking trailer play and like kind of talk over it. This time, I'm going to stop it every now and again and actually discuss what I'm seeing. Because there are, let me, t- listen, here's the deal. I want to say that when this trailer dropped, it's like celebration of Journey into Comics five-year anniversary. Woo, and I'm super excited. And I'm like looking at my phone. I'm watching the trailer, and I'm like, oh, my God. 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 Because every two seconds, there was a fucking Easter egg or something amazing that maybe you guys did catch. Maybe you guys know all the shit I'm about to say. Maybe you heard it from some other source. Who knows? I didn't hear it from any other source. This is shit that I have known because of my fucking love for Spider-Man, for Peter Parker, my respect for Stan Lee, my respect for these characters. Not only do I have a vast knowledge of these characters and these comics, I own a huge fucking portion of that collection just to keep it real. So uh, I was so hyped after I watched this trailer. I was like, you know what I'm going to do just because I feel like it would be really fun is I'm going to go find every cover that I own that has uh, Mysterio on it because he's we're going to talk about that in a second. And then a couple other characters. We're going to talk about their first appearances and the importance of those and, and whatnot here in just a second. But it made me so excited. I took a picture. You guys can see that on the Journey into Comics Facebook page. I'm going to probably post it to Instagram now after the show has released uh, so that you guys can also check it out. So here's the deal, guys. We're going to watch the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer. I'm going to pause it often. You're going to hear the audio loud and clear. I've got it lined in. So you're going to hear this in the same kind of experience that I'm getting right now with my headphones on in the kitchen, the spotlight of doom on. Hopefully we get no train of our existence today, but I digress. Let's get into this Spider-Man Far From Home teaser trailer. Thank you, Spider-Man. Okay, so right away. It's Spider-Man in front of, it's at a homeless charity, so there's, it's a food shelter, and it's a bunch of people who are going to ask questions to Spidey. Aunt May just introduced him, obviously we learned in the previous movie, Spider-Man Homecoming, that May knows who, who's, who actually is behind the suit, which is her nephew, Peter Parker, holy shit. He, uh, you know, gives the thumbs up to the crowd, I love it, then there's the, the... You know, okay, now here comes Happy Hogan. Here's an interesting thing. He's got the check for $500,000. I'm pretty sure it's from a Stark uh, relief fund. But I I can tell you it is because it's signed by, look down here, Pepper Potts. It says co-founder of, uh, I can't actually read that, something Stark Relief Foundation. So... Oh, co-founder and chair, Stark Relief Foundation. So, Pepper Potts signed the check. Happy Hogan has the check. Happy. You look nice. Thank you. You too. Thank you. New dress? Yes, it is. How'd you know? (laughs) What just happened? Okay, so, Happy's flirting with May. There's a weird thing going on right now, but Peter looks genuinely offended. He's like... Are you really macking on my aunt right in fucking front of me, Happy? Are you kidding me right now, Happy Hogan? Like, that's the look he has on his face. I don't know what exactly he's thinking. And, of course, the one great mystery that this movie 
at some point is going to have to answer, and we're probably going to get that in theaters. You got to think they have to do such an amazing job of keeping key elements of what is actually happening in this story out of our sight, out of our mind, because Endgame is going to set this movie up. So we know it's a, it's it's actually a sequel. It might even be kind of like a prequel sequel. There are some people that even claim this is the alternate timeline where Peter never got off the bus. Okay, so and we'll and we'll dive into the possibilities of that here in a short minute. Let's get back to this trailer. Gotta love the Ramones. Fuck yeah. Okay, so he is in his room. Peter's in his room. He looks like he's packing his suitcase. Uh, he's getting socks. The suitcase has got looks like dress pants and stuff. Okay, he's at the the place in the first movie, the little um, sandwich shop on the corner that gets cut up at the bank heist, right? Uh, and it looks like in the background you can actually see that the owner has got pictures with Spider-Man. So, uh, it, yeah, Top Queen's bodega destroyed in blast. That was his bodega that had been destroyed in the blast, and del the deli is destroyed, but pictures of him with Spider-Man. Obviously, Peter went and was like, hey, man, because you know, he went and checked on him. Um, going to Europe. School, trip. school trip and then he, he's, he grabbed a toothbrush now he's taking selfies while he's uh, swinging in the city okay he's going to pick up his passport boom now right here let's talk about it Peter Parker here to pick up a passport please it, it shows his passport it's a picture of Tom Holland it says Peter Parker United States of America Interesting to note, 10 August. Super accurate because Amazing Fantasy 15 came out August of 1963. Or 62. August of 1962, my fault. Uh, August 10th, to be exact, and that was the first appearance of Peter Parker. Uh, date of issue, July 19th. Date of expiration, July 18th. Now, I think uh, July 19th is... Maybe the day this movie comes out? I'm not quite 100% yet. We'll get back to that. Okay. Okay, now he... She says, pack your suit. He looks at the suit. Suit's hanging in the closet. He's looking at it. He's uncertain. The music changed tonally a little bit. He just wants to go on his trip with his friends. He shuts the closet door, okay? Europe doesn't really need a friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. Okay. Very next thing is he's closing this briefcase with the initials BFP. Anybody? Anyone? Anyone know who BFP is? Benjamin Parker, perhaps? Benjamin F. Parker? Mm -hmm. Uncle Ben? They're, they're doing it, folks. They're fucking doing it. They're giving it to us. They're giving it to us in subtle little beautiful ways. They're nodding to, alluding to the past. Okay, now hold on. I need to back that up just a skosh. I missed that frame. There's an interesting frame here. Okay. ASM212 is on this boat behind Ned Leeds, who's getting his picture taken by Betty. What? ASM. Those letters are specific. ASM. Oh, you mean like amazing. Spider-Man. 212. Hmm. 212. Somebody debuts in Amazing Spider-Man 212. It's a first appearance, but I'm just... It's eluding my brain at this point. It's not. It's just I don't want to spoil the trailer. So let's keep getting into it. Just remember, ASM 212, folks. We're going to come back to it. 
You look really pretty. Therefore, I have value. Okay, and I wanted to go back here a little bit because I want to see what's playing at the theater, and I didn't get a chance. I don't know if I can read that shit. Let me look in close real quick. Going to be silent for a second here. I don't know what it is because it's not in English, and I don't speak other languages because I'm an idiot dolt. So, let's continue on. You look really pretty. Therefore, I have value. No, no, that's not. I'm right. messing with you. <laughs> you look pretty too. I just want to spend some time with. They're on like um, a f a ferry boat, and they're looking at like a a a hotel that's under development wherever they're at, maybe Venice. MJ. Oh man, you know what I forgot? Way back there, I'll get to it. I'll get to it. Okay, so right now Ned Leeds has an arrow in his neck and a shirt that says "Danger" on. Danger with a bear going ah, and he just just been shot in the neck with a dart, and he's going down. So nice to finally meet you. Spider-Man. Motherfucking Samuel L. Jackson back as Nick motherfucking Fury. Super exciting to see him, let me tell you. You're Nick Fury. Put some clothes on. Let's go for a ride. Is he going to be okay like that? Might want to turn him over so he doesn't swallow his tongue. <laughs> okay, so it says next summer. It looks like they're doing a night mission. Um, Fury's driving a boat. Spidey's in the blue and red suit. This may be early in the movie, possibly. Nick Fury. He's at okay. Now it's a picture of Nick Fury. He's at the top of a high tower. London sightseers. You got MJ, Betty next to Ned again. Betty and Ned. Maybe they're having a budding little relationship here. I like that. Um, awesome. Ned with Parker. Okay, so it looks like London Bridge is under attack. There's a lot of smoke and fire and something going on. Parker in a darker Spider-Man suit with a bright white logo on his back. It looks bitching in the kitchen, which is where I am right now. Uh, okay, right here, minute 38. Nice pause. We are 138. Because right now I see what looks like Maria Hill, and it looks like Mr. Nick Fury. Uh, shooting at what looks to be Sandman. Sandman obviously first appears in Amazing Spider-Man number four. So Sandman, you know, here's the weird thing. It looks like it could be Sandman, and you could even go so far as to call it Sandman. It looks, it has the feel of what Sandman maybe is. Maybe it's not actually uh, Sandman, who's for some fucking reason... Sandman's name, his real name, is escaping me right now. I keep wanting to say Thomas Hayden Church because that's the guy that played him in that that one movie. But um, let's see. Or it wasn't. It wasn't Amazing Spider-Man Four. What was it? Was it Two? Is that? Am I mistaken? Is it Amazing Spider-Man Two? No, no, no. I mean the comic book, you dickhead. Not. The comic, the comic book. I'm trying to search the comic while I look at this. I want to make sure I get this right, you guys, because, you know, let's just fucking um, 
Spider-Man, Sandman, first appearance. Damn it, I had all this other stuff ready, and then I fucked it. It is Amazing Spider-Man 4. I was fucking right. I had it right. September 63 here. Uh, but William Baker. Flint Marco is his name. Flint Marco is the actual Sandman. I And I thought that, too, and I'm a fucking idiot for not trusting my gut. You got gifts, Parker, but you have a job to do. Getting back to an amazing shot of some lightning, possibly some electricity, possibly, uh, not Mysterio, possibly Electro, maybe? I don't think so. I think that's miscalculation. You're not going to use Electro right after you guys had him in the Amazing Spider-Man series. People are assuming that's the thing. You heard it here first, folks. Electro's not going to be in this movie. It doesn't make any sense. It doesn't add up to their narrative, and I'll explain what I think their narrative is going to be here in just one second. So I love this shot with Spidey, uh, you know, kind of gliding in with the old school like web gliders uh, through the fire and the explosions and shit. Another building is exploding and Spidey's coming out of it. Now, right here at 149, you get a shot of something that's like a fire body. And that is definitely almost 100% confirmed going to be Molten Man. Let me tell you, pretty fucking awesome to have Molten Man appear. Um, Mark Raxton might not be Molten Man, and again, I don't know that's going to fit the narrative. I'm just saying that the visual creation of Molten Man is, is now existing on screen. Uh, and I think that's a smart way to mar for Marvel to do it. You don't. You can play with a lot of different villains that way. You can creatively do that. You're going to see in a second why this is so creative because you've got now Sandman in the movie, Molten Man's in the movie. Uh, again, maybe not uh, Flint Marco or Mark Raxton, uh, but you, you have those two, right? Uh, a little bit further, Happy on the plane. It looks like there's electricity. Some uh, Again, this is on the bridge. Um, people are trying to get away. That, that, who is that? That last shot. I didn't. I tried to. I meant to. Okay. Oh, okay. So it's. Check it out. It is the shield stealth suit. So essentially, you saw earlier in the trailer, it seems like Spidey doesn't bring his suit. I'm thinking initially he has the black suit, which is the stealth suit that Fury's going to give him. Fury's going to be like, Stark told me if ever you needed this, here's this. Boom, it's it's the temp thing. I also feel like there's some other things that are going to get unlocked in the movie, and I like that they're playing and utilizing with multiple different um, suits for Spidey to have in this movie. Boom. You just saw a little bit of it in an MJ, and it's looking at a different thing in a different scene. It's, you know, nighttime and not daytime. Uh, clever thing, but they go back to it, and, and a minute 56. So 138, 149, 156-ish, 157. In the kind like every 10 seconds, they've introduced Sandman, Molten Man, and now 156. You guys remember ASM 212 back there earlier in the trailer? How about that's because Amazing Spider-Man 212 featured the debut first appearance of Morris Bench, also known as Hydro-Man. Now, a lot of people who are fans of the Amazing Spider-Man series are fans of the animated series from the 90s, and Hydro-Man had a couple like prominent things in that television show. Uh, he does first debut here in 212. 
uh, the coming of Hydro Man, I think was the name of the, the issue. January 81 is when it debuted. So you've got three. De- okay, so now sand, fire, and water. Okay, you're probably not going to have a wind one. That's silly. How are you going to? And I mean, I guess technically you could because Cyclone was also a Spider-Man character. So now you've got all four elementals if you really want to go that route. Uh, but here's what I think the narrative is going to be in a second. We're going to finish up this trailer. We only got about uh, another minute left. What are you going to do about it? Parker gets punched by the water. Everybody's running. Okay, there's some green smoke. It looks sick. Fucking A. It's Jake motherfucking Gyllenhaal. Broke back Mysterio. Showing up to kick your asses. You don't want any part of this. And I don't know, I, again, I don't know if that, those two, like this scene and the other scene are necessarily side by side. I feel like they're playing it off like Spidey's looking at Jake Gyllenhaal, but I think these are two different things going on. You're going to see Mysterio debut, like he's not going to unveil his face. In the, they did it in the trailer right away, which is pretty ballsy. You don't ever see Quentin, you typically didn't see Quentin Beck's face in the comics uh, very often. So, to, And also Quentin Beck. First appearing in Amazing Spider-Man 13, one of my favorite issues to own, to have a physical copy of. It's a, it's a classic. It's He's one of my favorite characters. Uh, the Master of Illusion, you know, Fishbowl Head, the fucking, like I said, this... Mysterio's awesome because he's kind of like this scorned actor who didn't get it, but he was really good at props and doing, like, special effects. So he comes up with the special effects game plan to, like, frame Parker as Spider-Man. He creates a he dresses as Spider-Man and commits crimes. Spidey's like, "What the fuck, dude? That's not cool cuz I'm Spider-Man and I'm a good guy and I'm obviously not the bad guy." And then fucking Mysterio starts start as he gets deeper into going up against Spidey. And I also want to mention there's only two appearances of Mysterio that I don't have. Amazing Spider-Man 66 and Amazing Spider-Man 67. They've pervaded me. I've never been able to pick them up. At some point in my life I will own them. Um, but then, and then I'll have every Mysterio comic, uh, at least for Amazing Spider-Man run, because he's been in lots of different other things. And, of course, and there's also variant covers that I don't have that I probably should get, but I digress. Let's get back into this trailer. Mysterio, fuck yeah. Shoot some stuff out of his hands. Now it's him up against what looked like Hydro-Man. He's, like, floating around. He's shooting stuff at Hydro-Man. He's blocking Hydro-Man, and then, boom, it goes right into the title. Spider-Man Far From Home. Who is that guy? Okay. Hmm. Okay. I figure I feel like I'm going to do this later, but uh, there's some text that I want to translate to see what it actually means. Uh but it, I think it's just like saying something like Mysterio because it, it's, you know, they're they're far from home. But it's saying something to the effect of like Mysterio is fighting a, a some sort of water creature. The this mysterious Mysterio, because myst, yeah, it's cool. Mysterio is that's a cool way to get his origin. It's right there. It says D Mysterio. So maybe that's where they'll figure his name out. Let's keep going. Guy. He's like Iron Man and Thor rolled into one. He's no Spider Man. What is it with you and Spider Man? What he looks out for the neighborhood, has a dope suit, and I really respect him. What's up, Dickwad? <laughs> oh, that's funny. Looks at Parker. What's up, Dickwad? Parker just gives him the thumbs up back. Oh man, I love the music. Uh, shit, that was 
fucking amazing. First of all, that trailer in itself gave me goosebumps. There were so many things I caught, so many different possibilities. I will say there's one thing I missed discussing. Earlier in the trailer, uh, when Spidey's taking the cell phone shots, there's a building under construction, and I think it could be, and this is also some fan conjecture. I do want to say that this is a theory that I did read online. I do quite like the possibility of it, but I'm going to put my own little twist on it. They said that it looked like it was the Avengers Tower under construction. Someone did buy it in the previous Spider-Man. That would be a storyline worth continuing in this universe. Uh, So what could it be? Well, some people say it's Spider-Man. You could make it Oscorp. Ho, 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 ho. The birth of, of Norman Osborn in the MCU would be fucking glorious, let me tell you. If the end of the fucking first Spider-Man trilogy with Tom Holland features the Green Goblins debut, they'll do it amazing. They'll do it right. They'll do it terrifyingly. Holy shit, that would be great. But that's not the theory I like as much. Well, that's cool. I love Norman. That'd be great. I do see a humongous opportunity right now, right here and now, for the MCU and Marvel to put a big Easter egg right in front of your eyes. And hide it in plain sight. And then later when you're revealed and learn the truth, you'll go, oh, fuck, it was there the whole time. Holy shit. And here's what it is. The Baxter building. The end. I think I've said that before. Before there was even a trailer that this was a possibility, I said the company that should definitely have bought out uh, Stark Tower should be Reed Richards. That would create a working relationship with him and Tony, which you could, if Tony survives Endgame, you could, uh, you know, always create the Marvel's Illuminati. That'd be interesting to see on screen. Uh, at some point, you got to get Namor in there too. Uh, but we'll see what happens there. They also released the Spider-Man Far From Home poster, which I love. It's like a close-up of Spidey's mask with great fucking detail. Comes great responsibility. No, with great detail. Uh, but it also is all these different stickers that you get from traveling abroad to different passports. Place Prague, uh, Berlin, London, Venice, the Swiss Alps, another Berlin, Italy. So, I mean, I love Spider-Man. You guys know it's no secret here. Uh, the official first synopsis released, uh, and this is what it says. For Spider-Man Far From Home, it says, Peter Parker returns in Spider-Man Far From Home, the next chapter of the Spider-Man Homecoming series. Important to note. Our friendly neighborhood superhero decides to join his best friends, Ned, MJ, and the rest of the gang on a European vacation. However, Peter's plans to Peter's plan to leave superheroics behind for a few weeks are quickly scrapped when he begrudgingly agrees to help Nick Fury uncover the mystery of several elemental creature attacks creating havoc across the continent. Boom. And then of course we get the reveal at this first stage in the movie it seems that Mysterio is going to be a good guy. What does this mean? Well I said I was going to get into my theory of what I think is happening in the narrative of this movie. This is what's going to go down, folks. Mysterio is going to have created the elementals. Kane Mar- Flint Marco, uh, Mark Raxton, uh, I forget the fucking Hydra Man's real name. Morris Bench. I always get it. It's M- MB, but I never forget. Morris Bench. Uh, these three guys are not going to be featured in this movie, I don't think. It is just going to be illusions created by Mysterio to throw people off their game, to make them believe that there are these creatures that are attacking over there 
and Spider-Man is kind of going to get caught up unintentionally because Mysterio is creating them to essentially beat them so he can be a superhero overseas. It's not really going to work, though, I don't think. And ultimately, Peter's going to be like, what keeps happening? Like, how is it every time you defeat them and I can't defeat them? That's so weird. Like, I'm not sure you're not stronger or better than me, and you don't even have powers. Like, what the fuck? Uh, and then eventually, I think that's going to become, you know, Mysterio v. Spider-Man, and that's when the movie's going to turn into the next level. And God, are they just... Can I just... Could we just for a second... If they are setting up a Sinister Six as of right now. Oh, let me tell you. Oh, I actually have an idea. What if Sandman is actually Flint Marco? However, the other elementals, the other two, which would be your Molten Man and your and your Hydra Man, are elementals created by Mr. Mysterio, but the, the, the Sandman is actually somebody who exists, and that's what the first case that Fury is on, and then he's like, oh, shit, like, this other thing's happening, and maybe we can, maybe the cases are linked, but they're not, it's coincidental. So, I think that third act, you know, Mysterio, but can I, just back to what I was gonna say, because I fucking almost forgot it, and I, I got it back. If they are setting up a Sinister Six, can I tell you what star power? You know what I'm saying? Like, really think about it. You've got Michael Keaton as Vulture, You've got Jake Gyllenhaal as Mysterio. You got the dude from Breaking Bad as Scorpion. You know he's going to become Scorpion. Maybe they'll have an after credit sequence where Mysterio will see those dudes in jail. Oh, that would be badass. And then Green Goblin can debut in the next movie and recruit them. Oh my God, it would be fantastic. Oh, there are so many possibilities. I fucking love the Sinister Six, the possibilities. Of course, you need to get Craven in on this. You also need to get Doc Ock in on this. You probably need Electro if you're going to really do it right. Um, but there are multiple iterations that they can go with. Cammy, you need to stay down off the thing. Stay down. Can't. Damn it. Can't. I'm trying to do a podcast about Spider Man. Fucking. Okay, so. Let's get back into it. Cat, I'm going to throw this bottle at you. I did that on Voice Survival. Well, not it wasn't a bottle, but... Uh, so, the question is, where does this movie come in? And I feel like it's going to be the loose end tire upper. It, it, it does... Listen, you have to... Okay, here's one thing that's very important to note. If you're thinking about historic moments, Spider-Man Far From Home has to up the ante on every level. It's got to deliver happiness. It's got to deliver sadness. It's got to deliver shock value. It has to deliver um, awe, mo you know, awe-inspiring moments. It has to deliver, you know, crazy, unbelievable spectacle, visual moments. Everything you can think of, it has to deliver on because this is essentially Iron Man in 2008 all over again. For the next wave of the MCU to flourish and not falter whatsoever. This movie, Spider-Man Far From Home, has to be the utter success that I think it's going to be, let me just mention, because Endgame is going to do a lot for people, and it's going to leave people going, man, that could be it. I like, I don't have to see any more MCU. Like, I'm done. I'm good. But Parker's story can draw you back in. Parker's story can keep you going. It can further what we're getting. Maybe we can get a couple after credit sequences that further the actual future. 
of the MCU. Maybe this is where we start to build our next version of the Avengers. We don't have any Avengers movies on the slate for a while. We don't know if we will have another Avengers movie for a while. If we do or do not, regardless, everything starts again right here with Far From Home. And I'm looking forward to it, genuinely. I really, really am. I think that it's cool. One thing that's really fucking neat, okay? Let's talk about this. Far From Home's trailer came out, and it's super diverse. Uh, An eagle-eye viewer went through and dissected the Instagram story and noticed that the movie, Far From Home, might actually feature a Muslim character. Uh, From there, we also learned the film will feature two trans actors playing students as well, one of which is a black man. FFH is going to be a diverse masterpiece. I love that. I love diversity and being able to ever okay let me just say i'm just going to be really really real everyone deserves the same slice of life everyone deserves to live and experience the normal life that not everyone experiences but people with privilege i hate to say it like that do so just be grateful if you are a person who is privileged in that regard and if you're not i really hope that we can fix the problem and make it right for everyone so everyone has a chance to be represented equally because seeing stuff like having trans actors be in an MCU movie and having more diverse casts and things of that nature, like it just shows that it does not matter. We're a fucking alien race. We all are a species called human. The end. Your bullshit religion you've created is bullshit. It's horseshit. Throw it out the trash. Throw it in the garbage. Let's sit up, stand down, fucking twist around, twist and shout, whatever it is. It's not working. It doesn't work. Your your prayers are not being met with proper answers, and I know you want that, and I'm so sorry it's not the case. I'm not trying to be a fucking Debbie Downer, but it's just the facts. We all deserve an equal shot, and if you don't think so, fuck you. Just keeping it real. Oh, and fuck the KKK, too. I just want to say that again here. I'm not pro-white supremacy. If you think... White supremacy is a thing that should exist. Fuck you, too. I'm not trying to get political today. Let's move on. So, you know, I did say that we don't officially have any news on if we're going to get any more Avengers movies, but maybe I was wrong because it has been reported that they are planning to do a young Avengers movie. According to a report from We Got This Covered, Marvel Studios is reportedly developing a script for Young Avengers a movie that'll feature a plethora of young teenager and young adult characters. The rumor states the team will be made up of Kate Bishop's version of Hawkeye, Hulkling, Iron Lad, Patriot, Wiccan, Stature, and Vision. A version, uh, a version, some from a vision's uh, different from Paul Bettany's version. I guess what it says. Uh, there's a lot to unpack. First and foremost, Stature's character is speculated to make appearance because Stature, of course, is Cassie Lang. So that's cool. Uh, the inclusion of Kate Bishop could contradict earlier reports of potential Hawkeye show on Disney+. Plus. If Bishop were to appear on the Hawkeye streaming show, it would seem that she would premiere on the silver screen prior to going to a streaming show, which could complicate Bishop's appearance in Young Avengers. The Vision part does seem to corroborate the rumor plot of the Vision of Scarlet Witch show that surfaced earlier in the week, hinting the show would borrow from Tom King and Gabriel Walta's fan-favorite comic maxi-series. 
So who knows? I mean, the future is super bright moving forward for the whole MCU. Let's see what's going to happen. Uh, I will say, here's an interesting note. Spider-Man Far From Home trailer broke the Sony picture record for views. Uh, take that, you fucking venom. Uh, this. Let's see, let's see, let's see, let's see. According to a new report from Deadline, the Spider-Man Far From Home trailer was viewed a whopping 130 million times in the first 24 hours. That was more than enough to smash the record and become Sony's most viewed trailer on its opening day. Surprisingly, that record was held by Spider-Man Homecoming 2017, which saw two uh, saw 116 million people tune in for that trailer. When it comes to strictly YouTube views, Venom does hold the title. But overall views, Venom does not hold the title. Just keep that in mind, folks. All right, let's keep kicking ass, taking names, moving on. To coincide, kind of, sort of, I guess, with the fact that we just did the Far From Home trailer, here's a little bit of comic news as, and check it out, how awesome and interesting is this, because who's going to be on the cover of Symbiote Spider-Man number one? Peter Parker, Spider-Man will be back in black this April for Symbiote Spider-Man, a five-issue limited series set before the web-slinger learned his updated costume was a living extraterrestrial creature. So it's set back when he was just black suit Spider-Man with the symbiote and didn't know any better. Different attitude, Parker. A little bit angrier. Time twist here. Scribed by Peter David, he did The Incredible Hulk, Ben Riley, Scarlet Spider-Man. And artist Greg Land, who did a bunch of amazing fucking things from Ultimate Fantastic Four to Uncanny X-Men. And he did like a whole uh, Marvel game. He did the entire art series for one of the Marvel card games. Um, an all-new in-continuity tale that will revisit the classic era of the alien costume set post-Secret Wars pitting Spider-Man up against famed foe Mysterio. I'm fucking sold, cats. Let me tell you what, I am hyped as shit on this. April. April's a huge month, you guys. I can't even. I can't even. Venom may be my day job and favorite spider villain, but my favorite fictional character of all time is the one and only Spider-Man and far and away. This is one of the most exciting projects I've ever had the privilege of working on in my five and a half years here at Marvel, said editor Devin Lewis. This is an incontinuity story of Peter Parker, a.k.a. The Amazing Spider-Man, set in the weeks he was wearing the alien symbiote costume that would later become one of his greatest foes. And all your favorites are there. Black Cat, Aunt May, The Bugle. This is classic spider action in the mighty Marvel manner. Mysterio's involvement coincides with the Trickster's supervillain big screen debut this summer. Spider-Man's Far From Home, the produced blockbuster Marvel Sony Marvel Studio produced blockbuster starring Tom Holland and Jake Gyllenhaal. Uh, he never fought symbiote Spidey, or did he, Lewis, teasing the classic thing? Now, I know a lot of y'all out there in Mighty Marveldom are going off, going to scoff at that, that this story is in continuity, but trust me, Peter, Greg, and I have all done our homework. We've read and reread the original Alien costume saga in its entirety, revisited old stories, talked around those classics literally for hours. This is Peter Parker as Spider-Man wearing one of the most iconic costumes of all time, and we're treating this story with the heart, seriousness, and respect that it entails as a result. Stoked, fucking stoked. Can I mention something? Several, several years ago, and I need to go... I forgot to grab this one, God damn it! Uh, I have a really awesome custom... Uh, it was a... What do you call that? It was a commission done by one Corey Hampshire, and it's Black Suit Spider-Man cracking Mysterio's dome. 
and I'm going to fucking share that picture and tag these cats in it and be like, I did it first, bitches. I thought this was cool before you, motherfuckers. I, di- I really did. I love Black Suit Spider-Man. I love, love, love Mysterio. So uh, really, really looking forward to Symbiote Spider-Man, which drops here in April. Let's continue on as Tom Holland uh, said something really funny. Some fan site jokingly put, Tom Holland accidentally uploads entire Avengers 4 movie to Twitter. And Tom Holland responded, and it was actually Tom Holland. This actually stressed me out. For a second, I was like, shit, did I? Uh, I just love that. I thought that was a funny little headline there. Uh, some in-game stars returning for reshoots here. Karen Gillen washed in the blue from under my fingernails one more time. Hashtag endgame. Zoe Saldana just saying, yep, and posting a lot of different green animal stuff. And having the uh, Gamora suit on. She also has uh, some funny cat ears going on. Zoe in her getting makeup phase here. Looks like she's taking a drink while she's getting all the different pros- all the different color prosthetics put on her. So we know that Gamora and Nebula come back. Maybe they're going to have a bigger role. Maybe they're going to have a different role. Maybe they're going to change the whole Guardian storyline based on what's going on with James Gunn. Who knows what's going to happen with James Gunn. I'm still one of those to hold out the hope in the long run that maybe we will see the beauty that is uh, Marvel correct this wrong and give James Gunn Guardians 3 back. That would be a beautiful, beautiful... I would cry. I would genuinely, on air, on this podcast, cry tears, real tears, if James Gunn got brought back. Like, I would thank whatever non-existent creator just for that one... Like, that's ridiculous to me. I really genuinely feel that way. All right, so let's keep going. Uh, this is an interesting thing that I need to talk about, just kind of a little bit of a time. We do have a little bit of Marvel news left, and then we're going to jump into some DC, Star Wars stuff, and get the fuck out of here, you guys. Because. Also, I didn't do that with those. Oh, shit. We're probably going to have noise for a second. Anyways, doesn't matter. All of Captain Marvel's powers were revealed by Marvel Studios' producer. So, uh, comicbook.com, which is a great source for comic book news. You guys can check them out at comicbook.com. Had the chance to go to the Captain Marvel set during a conversation with executive producer Jonathan Schwartz. He broke down what powers we will see making the jump from comics to film. He said, yes, by the end of this movie, we'll have seen the full run of powers out of Carol. So that's flight and strength and photon blast. You know, I think part of what made us excited about the character, that she was such a powerful character in the comic books, and one of the most, if not the most powerful character in the MCU. And seeing all that brought to bear is one of the biggest pleasures of the movie. While those abilities are impressive on their own, Carol has uh, been even more powerful in the books during her time as binary, and fans will see the binary part of Carol in the film. Yes, for sure. And also one of the things we love from the comics was that mohawk look that pops up in that run a little bit. In the comics, she was an experimented on by the brood during a time when she didn't have any powers. Through those experiments, not only unlocking them again, but revealed an even greater level of power within her, turned her into an immensely powerful being, marked cosmetically by her skin turning red and her hair becoming pure energy. This was by far her most powerful form. Even after she lost it, she still regained her original power set. Uh... Man, I'm looking forward to that. And we learned that it's probable that she's going to also have time travel. Thanks a lot, Samuel L. Jackson. That's wicked. So Kevin Feige said something. I want to talk about this here in a second. He 
I don't know where he, let's see. I don't know. It doesn't really say where this is from. Oh, it's, he's talking to Variety. Let's break it down. Kevin Feige's been working with Marvel ever since 2000 with X-Men. And he said this, not only has the, okay, not only has there not been a quote unquote superhero fatigue that people have been asking me about since years before Iron Man, but here we are having our biggest year ever. Our instincts have always guided us, and the success uh, successes have always just encouraged us to keep following those instincts. Those instincts have led to Marvel Studios to its biggest year yet, with Black Panther grossing a billion, Infinity War making two billion. Um, we knew that giving people who hadn't had the chance to a make these kind of films or b see them themselves on the screen reflecting these kind of films was important and was the future. And what happens when? People have stories to tell, and they don't always get to tell those stories. Give them a budget, give them the canvas, and they'll paint something amazing. Man, the MCU, man, it's bright and beautiful. You got to love it. Here's something interesting. This slipped down the pipeline. I don't know if you guys saw this one or not, but Marvel's X-Men TV series rumored to be in the works for Disney+. Plus. What? An X-Men TV series? That was my prediction. I said they should do that. I thought that would be a great idea. A way to take your time and introduce all the different X-Men through just slow building character development and have them join the house one by one slowly and learn that experience of taking in new people you don't necessarily trust and having them maybe fuck up and unfuck up very much like the actual X-Men were. Shit. I'd be super stoked. Who knows what's going to actually come out of this, but... Uh, the report from WGTC suggests they're working on a few different potential franchises for Disney plus though. It doesn't indicate what, um, but they are talking about one of them being X-Men. So, you know, I, I would love to see it. I think you guys would love to see it too. A long form X-Men story. You know, you can build with professor X and the backstory with him and Magneto and then bud that out and have, Magneto's story timeline picking up mutants to you know create the legion of the brotherhood of mutants or whatever like man I am sold let's look at this what's the next thing up oh yeah this is big and this is also x-men stuff because uh x-men character has been created by Rob Layfield he actually is the creator of Deadpool first debuted in New Mutants 98 folks don't forget it the new character is Major X let's read about it uh, Marvel character just or Marvel just announced the new series Major X featuring a mysterious new character who will collide with Wolverine, Deadpool, Storm, Cable, and other X-Men in a conflict uh, that set rock that's set rock the foundations of the X franchise. Layfield is writing the bi-monthly series as well as providing art for the first issue while Image Comics co-founding partner uh, Willie say I can't say his name ever. I feel like shit. And former Teen Titans artist Brent Peoples joined Marvel to help to helm issue two. Oh, cool. I like it. He's kind of got like um, almost like a... He kind of has like a Deadpool slash Stormtrooper slash like Magneto look. It's really wild slash like futuristic uh, modern day Cyclops a little bit. Man, wild. That is wild. Okay. Also, I want to mention that we were talking about Disney Plus. I read uh, a report that Disney Plus is going to reportedly debut a first look at its streaming service as early as April. 
Again, April is a big month. We're getting all this cool shit. Uh, a lot of fans curious, though. Will that mean we get an early first look at the Mandalorian? John Favreau's Mandalorian. Hmm. I would love to see that. Um, but I got uh, that. That's all I really have on that front. We don't know. Obviously, we probably won't be seeing Loki. Maybe we will. Maybe we'll be seeing teasers for a lot of different stuff. Maybe they will blow our minds. Who knows? Maybe they'll give us the first episode of like three different series and say, here, this is what we plan to do. And everyone's going to go, oh, fuck, I have to have it. That's what I would do. Give everybody the first episode free, 100% of three different kinds of series so you can hook people. Boom. Done. People are signing up day one. They want that fucking service. So let's cover another thing involving, you know, we've been talking about the X-Men possibly coming over. We talked about the X-Men possibly getting a show on Disney Plus, but there's still other X-Men stuff in the works. What's going to happen with that? Because like this merger might happen before those movies come out. Will those movies come out at all? I'm not sure. Here's an interesting rumor coming down the pipeline. The report suggests New Mutants has been delayed yet again and might actually just get a Hulu, straight-to-Hulu release. Despite impending acquisition of 20th Century Fox by Walt Disney Company, it's still business as usual to gear up the release of X-Men Dark Phoenix, but the other X-Franchise New Mutants is not so certain. That film was originally supposed to release April 13, 2018, before being delayed to February 22nd of this year. It was pushed back once again to August 2nd, though that date has now been called into question according to this rumor. Uh, Scott Betchel of the Merc with a Mouth podcast did that Fox and director that Fox director Josh Boone, Fox and director Josh Boone were having difficulties coming to terms with the final cut and that New Mutants could be released on Hulu later in the fall. He said, just heard a whisper through the grapevine, New Mutants will be delayed again. Fox and Moon are really struggling to come to terms on a comprehensive and finished product. They're looking to release in early November, but Fox is still toying with a Hulu release in October for New Mutants. They're trying to decide which method would have a more returnable value for an otherwise dead-on-arrival film. Man, not looking pretty for that, you guys. Not looking pretty for that. Now, let me tell you, this one... God, we got to talk about it. It, it, it is, uh, you know, sad because this guy drew a lot of amazing characters. But let's get into it as George Perez has announced his retirement from comics. Few artists hold more iconic place in comics than George Perez. Uh, he is known for his classic works uh, like for characters in Teen Titans, The Avengers, Wonder Woman, and more. He took to Twitter to share a letter with his fans explaining why he's retiring and that he will be still tell uh, that he will still be taking on uh, what he will still be taking on due to ongoing health issues. He explained the artist has been struggling with several health concerns. Those have forced him to retire from creating new comics. He says, with respect to future published work in comics and such, while I know it's been no secret that I've been dealing with a myriad number of health issues, diabetes, heart ailments, vision health, etc., these have indeed have they have indeed forced me to, for all intents and purposes, formally retire from the former business of creating new comic stories, Perez wrote on Facebook. Unfortunately, that also means his commission request will be coming to an end. As for home commission requests, I'm afraid that my retirement must now extend to privately commissioned drawings as well. Why I am gratified that all of the customers who have received their pieces were more than pleased with the results, 
some even consequently commissioning more of them. It's just becoming too much of a strain on my eyes to produce the fully rendered ink and pencil tone pieces on quality levels that justify the price I'm being paid for them. He said he's also going to cut back on convention sketches and will no longer be drawing at the show. However, he did add that he will, through his agent, still be producing five con-style head sketches that can be ordered ahead of time uh, collected at the show he still attends. He also mentioned that any fees from those will be donated to various charities. He said in closing, Please don't feel sorry for me about all these life and career changes. Thankfully, I earn more than enough income through royalties to have a comfortable life wherein I may never need to work again. Unless, of course, something really tempting comes along and I'm giving sufficient lead time. Hey, you never know. As for those conventions, he will be appearing at six conventions this year. One in 2020, but after that, his convention schedule will also likely stop. He will still be taking photos and signing autographs. Uh, though for free, just like he does now. Long story short, I'll be just fine. I had a wonderfully good run doing exactly what I have wanted to do since I was a child. Now I could sit back and watch the stuff I helped create entertain a whole new generation. It's a pretty nice legacy to look back on, and so much of that is to thank, uh, thanks to all of you, the greatest fans in the world. I am humbled and forever grateful. Man, George Perez going out with the bang, man. He's a legend in the game. Another one bites the dust, another one down. And let's dive into it you know he did teen titans he did other stuff i told you guys this thing's gonna get us fucking dick uh i want to say this real quick josh gad teased teased yet again that he may in fact be playing the role of penguin he did this um by posting a gif of 66 batman's penguin and just saying good night, K N I G H T. Teasers, teasers, teasers. Will he be the penguin in Matt Reeves' Batman? I would love that. I think Josh Gad could do a fantastic job. Comedic dudes always typically do great in the more serious roles. So I think, I really do. I believe he has a, a, a strong, strong chance to do something special if they give him that role. We'll see. Um, speaking of Batman, oh Jesus, here we go with more shit there. Uh, speaking of Batman, the Batman writer Tom King is giving away comics to government workers because of the shutdown. Uh, Tom King, writer of Batman and Heroes in Crisis, will give away hundreds of comics to government workers at Third Eye Comics in Annapolis, Maryland during his signing appearance this weekend. That would have been last weekend, I think, or this past weekend that we've just gotten through. The comics he will be giving away are copies of DC publications provided to him by the publisher as his complimentary and contributor pieces. These are often used by the recipients for research or to supplement their income by selling them at conventions, other public appearances. Instead, King will give away his copies to people hurt by the current partial shutdown of the U.S. government. That event took place Saturday, January 19th, and you could have found more details at Third Eye website, but it already happened. Tom King's official announcement said, With the shutdown, a lot of people are suffering. I've been there. Worked for the Fed for nine years, at times living paycheck to paycheck. Wanted to help, so I'm giving away my comics. This Saturday, Third Eye, Annapolis. 11 a.m. till done. Tom King is the fucking man, dude. He is the man. But you guys, I've only got a few things left here. Oh, Jesus. God. I'm going to have to keep cutting those. You guys are going to hear nothing because I'll edit it out. But for me, it's loud as shit. I'm just trying to real quick fix this before we go any further. Um, okay, guys. So, got some of that stuff there. 
Yeah, I got okay, 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 okay. Doing it, we're doing it, we're doing it well, we're doing it well. I'm gonna real quick do a quick update here, see if we got any breaking news that has happened. Um, no late breaking news, folks. So let's get back to it. As some news, Shazam is set to be released in Screen X format. I don't know what Screen X format is, but they did it for. Let's see. A unique type of streaming format that allows audiences to see the film in a panoramic 270-degree format. The deal between South Korean company CJ4D Plex and Warner Brothers Pictures will also include The Curse of La Lorano and Godzilla King of Monsters. Three additional titles are set to be announced later this year. So they're going to be releasing this in super, like, fucking panoramic view bigger than IMAX, I guess. Uh, so once in a while you see the Screen X format on a movie, and I was always like, what the shit? But I guess that's the answer, huh? Uh, now, the the uh, the director went... The director of Shazam went to his Instagram. That, that the, the director of Shazam went to Instagram. That's a hard rhyme, right? Uh, to tease uh, that he was watching some Shazam in 3D. So, David F. Sandberg is checking that the 3D stuff is up to effects and teasing it on his social media. You guys get him at Pony Smasher on Instagram. Uh, speaking of Shazam, let's talk about this. There was a new trailer. I'm going to watch the trailer. I'm not going to do it the same thing as Spidey. I'm just going to watch and react because I haven't watched it yet. Billy Batson in the cave. He's... Oh my god, he just jumped off the fucking roof and lightning hit his chest. That was fucking amazing. Oh my god, this looks fucking so cool. Okay, I love it. Location, like on a cliff, like a castle-esque type thing. Overlooking some water. Overlooking some water, splashing on rocks and stuff, then we will take that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I fucking love it. That was great. Okay, so just want to say that 53-second teaser was hysterical. Uh, awesome to see this is some of the Shazam powers you have to keep in mind. Billy Batson's a kid who, when he becomes Shazam, becomes an adult. So it's got that big vibe where he doesn't know how to be an adult human and just go purchase but you don't have to say like i want some of your finest adult beer like you don't need to say that you just go fucking get some beer and you go up to the counter and they're like you have your fucking id and you're like ah oh, shit i fucking where's my wallet it's in my oh yeah it's right here and you give it to them and they like look at you for fucking 20 seconds and they look back and they look at you for another 45 fucking seconds and they look back and they type dun 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 Okay, here you go, sir. It's 22.17. Jesus Christ, it was just three beers. Wow, it's expansive. Anyways, I'm looking forward to Shazam. In theaters, April 5th. I'm telling you guys, April is the month of everything. I feel like April is the month of endgame. I feel like 2019 is the endgame for so many things. I see we're going to see things wrapped up. We're going to see things born again. We're going to see things evolve and, and change and grow and i'm excited i can't wait so i'm really stoked on shazam fuck yeah
Looking forward to it. Real quick, you guys, Aquaman crossed the $300 million mark domestically. That's pretty bitching in the kitchen. So this movie only needs to bring in another $21 million to earn the top worldwide spot, according to the DCEU, that is not all-time, all-time. Um, it would bump The Dark Knight Rises as $1.84 billion out. If it makes another $21 million, I'm sure it's going to. Uh, we still haven't seen it in theaters and want to. So, uh, domestically speaking, Aquaman has been underforming when it compares to other DC projects. It's the sixth highest grossing DC Comics film stateside. Aquaman still trails the last two Nolan Batman films in, additional, in addition to three fellow DCEU films, Wonder Woman, Batman vs. Superman, Dawn of Justice, and Suicide Squad. So, they are just looking to rake in the dough with Aquaman. And you know what I think could rake in the dough, and I agree with Kevin Smith on this. He said, while he's a fan of you know uh, Aquaman and Spider-Man Far From Home, uh, on his recent Fat Man Beyond podcast, he made a proposition of a Batman Beyond movie, saying that he would love to see the 20th anniversary of the animated series Batman Beyond. Smith wasn't floored by the news, though he did add they should do this as a live-action movie today. Uh, Bernardin suggested that they do it live action and get Michael Keaton back. Smith's eyes got big and he grabbed onto Bernardin's shoulders. You just what you just witnessed was my cum face. That would be fucking amazing. Could you imagine? Oh my god, that movie makes a billion right there, man. If you're like Michael Keaton's coming back, people are like, "How is that possible?" And you're like, "Because he's Batman Beyond, bitch." People are like, "Oh fuck, we wanna we wanted this our whole lives. This is fucking good. I am down with this." When can we go? I would love that. It would be amazing because he plays an older Bruce Wayne. He passes down to TG, gets the younger Batman. I mean, there's millions of different things that could happen, guys. Uh, I would see it. I'd pay to see it. You guys would pay to see it. Everybody's paying to see it. Just, you're going to see it. Trust me. Let's get into some Star Wars news before we get out of here. As John Boyega has teased a set picture, he... Posted a picture of his hands, okay, and they're a little bit bloody, a little bit dirty, possibly. He said, great working day on set. The whole team pushed themselves today to achieve something visually crazy. I've had many moments of shock on set, but not like today, and I can't wait until you know why. Man. Oh, I cannot wait for Star Wars Episode Nine, you guys. And let me tell you something. Would not surprise me to get an early teaser at the big game coming up. Big game known as the Super Bowl. They can't fuck me for that because I'm not on terrestrial radio. You know on terrestrial radio and like regular television, you can't say Super Bowl because it's trademarked, apparently. You have to say big game. Weird, fucking, dumb, Americanized shit. Capitalism sucks. Anyways... Uh, this is something we do need to talk about. I totally forgot. This is a spoiler for Star Wars Age of Republic special, which is a comic that has been delivering readers a variety of different stories, focusing on our favorite prequel era characters from Qui-Gon Jinn, Darth Maul, with the special delivering three different tales. The issue explores the adventures of Mace Windu, Asajj Ventress, and a team-up between Captain Rex and Jar Jar Binks. Binks might not be the first name the clone army would call when needing assistance, but this particular mission requires Binks more diplomatic skills. At one point in the book, Rex is ambushed by two droids 
only to see them cut in half with a lightsaber wielding Jar Jar emerging from the shadows. So he sees the droids. They get cut in half. He says, General on tick. No, no, sir. Not exactly. And then, ooh, you got muy slippery. And he, he loses the lightsaber. So it wasn't his personal lightsaber, um, but rather explained that he saw that Lon Tick had dropped it, so he'd picked it up for safekeeping. Then in true Jar Jar fashion, he probably fumbled the saber and dropped it. The narrative all ultimately served as a humbling experience for Rex, as he had dismissed Jar Jar and his abilities on the battlefield, while also demonstrating the Gungan's bravery when push comes to shove. Man, interesting. They gave Jar Jar a lightsaber. And I gotta know, listen... That's a crazy thing to say. Jar Jar's wielded a lightsaber in something that's technically canon because Marvel is owned by Disney. Disney owns Star Wars. So if Disney and Marvel write it, then it's canon to Star Wars is how it goes now. John Tyler Christopher could better tell us about that, but he's not here to answer this question. So, uh, yeah, Jar Jar Banks, lightsaber wielding motherfucker. Let's talk about it, you guys. Here's a different thing as John Williams reportedly begins work on episode nine this summer. Let me tell you guys something. This might be the last time we get John Williams to do Star Wars music. Just be humbled by the possibility that this is the case. John Williams has crafted the scores for each installment for the Skywalker saga with his work on episode nine completing a more than 40-year journey with the franchise. The legendary composer suffered a health scare last fall, uh, though personal friend Mike Mazzinio confirmed that not only is Williams fully recovered, but that he will likely begin working on the film's score this summer. He said, John's doing just fine. He went to Jenny Massini's 12th night party last week. Uh, just a few people there, Norm Lear, Quincy Jones, Leslie Bershu. I don't think he's working on episode 9 until the summer. The schedule is still being worked out interesting so like i said guys keep in mind that could be the last time we get john williams doing star wars music stealing from holtz the planets if you've never heard holtz the planets let me tell you i'm gonna do this right now just for a second okay and then we're gonna cover the last topic real quick so i'm just gonna do holtz the planets mars okay so i'm just gonna play a little bit of this uh, Gustav Holtz uh, did this thing called The Planets. And I want you guys to hear just a little bit of it and tell me if you think it's Star Wars music. So uh, they're probably going to flag me in copyright. Maybe not, though, because it's not copyrighted anymore. But... Uh, I'm just going to let this play while I talk a little bit over it here slightly. Because there's some stuff coming up in a second that's super Star Wars. And John Williams stole it directly from Holtz. Then I'm going to tell you when this music was written. It's just building and it's grimacing. I'm going to jump forward here. I don't know where it is. Here. Yeah. You could assume this was Star Wars music.
I wish Sarah was on this episode to really dive into this. I'm telling you guys, this is where John Williams drew a lot of inspiration. And I'll just say that good artists borrow, great artists steal. And what I mean by that is a great artist can take something that already exists, rework it in such a way that it's its own unique, bright, shining thing that not only highlights the artist, but still pays homage to the original work in some way, shape, or fashion, whether it's super out in the open and public that it's happening or not. So, you know, it's cool that he kind of stole from Holtz, but if you ever get a chance, The Planets, Mars, The Bringer of War by Gustav Holtz. That's G-U-S-T-A-V-H-O-L-S-T. He lived from 1874 to 1934. So, turn of the century, uh, 19th into the 20th century there, and, uh, you know, it's kind of weird, right? You know? Or is that 17th and 18th? 19th. I don't know. I don't remember. Anyways, uh, check it out if you guys get a chance. Let's cover this last bit of news and then get the fuck out of Dodge as we roll on into the next part of our week. Don't forget, you guys can check out Poor360 tomorrow right here on the Journey into Comics Network, journeyintocomics.com. Also, check out Foodies Watching Movies on Wednesday, Podcastrophe on Thursday, uh, the debut of Crucial Tunes, Episode 1, Brews with Dudes on Saturday, and then on Sunday, as always, the best of the week. Folks, this drink break brought to you by Port 360. All right. As we wrap it up here, BioWare allegedly tried to make Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic 3. Star Wars is the talk of pretty much everyone in the gaming community as of late, considering the Recent news that EA canceled the highly anticipated open-world game that had been in progress for years. While ire continues over the cancellation, it appears that another developer under EA's thumb tried to get back into the swing of it, but to no avail. It was Kotaku's Jason Schreier who broke the initial news over the most recent cancellation, apparently. But that's not the only one that couldn't get off the ground. BioWare is known for their incredible take on Star Wars Universe and had apparently been trying to get Knights of the Old Republic 3 up and running numerous times. But clearly that progress never went anywhere. As a huge fan of BioWare's online Star Wars adventures, I would have personally loved to have... Let me just say, I would have loved to have seen all of this shit happen. It's weird to me that when you have something that's going to be a cash cow for fans, you don't cash in. Like... You're robbing yourself, you're robbing your fans, you're robbing everyone who wants to see what your universe can bring to the fold. You're just saying, you know what, I don't care. And I think that is something that's wrong with modern gaming in a lot of ways. People think, I mean, it's too, you see some gaming companies get to put out 18 fucking Assassin Creed's, okay, just keeping it real. But then others, you know, they they can't put out their third game in a series. I think that's really, really, really dumb, you know? And I hope that doesn't play. Oh, if that plays, nope, it's not going to play right now. Good, great, groovy, glad, glad. All right, folks, well, guys, I, I think it's time that we do the plugs and then we'll get on out of here. So as always, 
You guys can check out the Journey into Comics podcast at journeyintocomics.com where you get the Journey into Comics network. Get this show, get Poor 360, Foodies Watching Movies, Journey into Wrestling, Adulting Ain't Easy, Podcastrophy, Gallifradio, The Voice of Survival, Kids for Sale, Crucial Tunes, Brews with Dudes, and Dungeons with Dudes. All on one feed. That's all you need. You get it right here by going to journeyintocomics.com or... If you have iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher Radio, Google Play Music, or Spotify, just search Journey Into Comics Network. I will mention, we are not on Apple Music. Big misconception. If you have Apple Music, you also are going to have to separately download an app called Podcasts if you have an iPhone. That's where you get us on your iPhone, iTunes, that way. But you can't get us on Apple Music. Don't go searching Journey Into Comics Network there. You won't find us. Also, go to patreon.com backslash Journey Into Comics. Give us a dollar for early access and exclusive content. And you guys, let me tell you what. We got some cool shit planning. We got some cool stuff coming up. And I can't wait for you guys to check it out. Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Journey into Comics. This has been Journey into Comics 227, Brokeback Mysterio. I'm Nate. And as always, pop your caps back and fill your brains with shit. Later, guys.